Stunt Podcast. Cool. And we're live. This is Matthew coming back to you with a special interview on the You Deserve a Drink podcast together with Rizzle. This week, we're really excited to have another awesome builder join us. Uh, no need for a long intro this week. We are really, really stoked to be joined with John Crane of the Super Rare Project. Welcome to the show, John. Matthew, thanks so much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. And I know you've been on a ton of shows, but your story is pretty awesome. So I, I need to, to ask you, tell our audience who you are, what your story has been uh, up into this point. And then for the like 0.001% of our audience that doesn't know what Super Rare is, tell everyone what Super Rare is. Sure. So yeah, um, you're born on the East Coast, raised in the West Coast, uh, you know, got into some Bitcoin stuff early on in New York, uh, tinkering around. I have a background in like uh, UX and product development. So kind of got interested uh, in the, from the software angle, got super excited about Ethereum uh, when I saw that coming down the pipeline. And then got really excited when I saw CryptoKitties. Um, I kind of thought, you know, NFTs were sort of the next standard that was going to help transition this from, you know, a chaos of speculation into, you know, like more of a meaningful cultural movement for a broader audience and decided to start experimenting and launch Super Rare in uh, April 2018. And for, yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Super Rare is a crypto art platform and marketplace uh, built around specifically one of a kind uh, NFT digital art. That's cool. And then, well, I listened to your, your story in other places and I know like CryptoKitties was sort of like an origin, obviously for super rare. When CryptoKitties came out, is that when you fell down the crypto rabbit hole or had you fallen down that earlier? Like I know you're at consensus. Yeah. So yeah, I fell down the crypto rabbit hole a little earlier. I actually, uh, I took, I was in an econ, like intro to econ class in uh, 2008 and the market was crashing. I was studying engineering and I had like zero interest in finance. Like probably barely knew what a stock was or anything at that point. And I was just like, what do you mean this like mission critical component for the world is just like falling apart. Um, this is like a tough concept for me to grasp. So I kind of like started studying and reading more. And got like pretty interested in Austrian economics and gold and was kind of like falling down that rabbit hole. And then at some point ran across Bitcoin and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like I could get behind some like math based standards for, you know, how a financial system would work. And so that's sort of where it started. So it was just uh, really on the outskirts, you know, no um, major success stories. I think I tried to mine Bitcoin and ran up a, $600 Amazon bill pretty quick and had no Bitcoin to show for it. And I was like, wow, this sucks. Um, <laughs> and so, but you know, I kept continued to experiment and finally met some folks in New York who, you know, were kind enough to answer my thousands of questions that I had about how everything worked and what was going on. And then, you know, kind of, so hanging out with that New York Bitcoin meetup is how I heard of Ethereum for the first time. And that's when, uh, 
my eyes sort of popped. I was like, whoa, programmable blockchains. And then initially I was like, no, nah, I think it's too complicated. I don't think it's going to work. Um, and then when they launched the network, uh, whenever that was summer, uh, I guess like 2015, maybe, um, I started poking around, uh, with the, our super rare CTO, Charles. And that's when my mind was like really blown. And I was like, all right, I gotta just like, you know, quit my day job and figure out how to work on this full time. Cause it's so amazing. John, how did you get from there to art? Like, I, I totally understand falling down the, the CryptoKitties appeal, the NFT rabbit hole. It all makes sense to me, but you've gone in a very, very specific niche direction. Uh, do you have art background or, or was there something about like the art scene that really grabbed a hold of you or, or how did you end up in that you know particular area? Yeah, so I always love to like doodle and draw. So the, I actually... I ended up going to school for civil engineering, but I originally thought I was going to do architecture. Then was like, now I'm going to be practical and do civil engineering, which didn't work out either way. Um, but I've kind of always loved to do that. And actually the first time I like really started learning to code was, uh, learning processing. So like you guys might be familiar with processing. It's like a creative artistic programming language. And someone had showed me something they made with it. And I was like, holy shit, how did you do that? Like, I want to like take these sketches I've been making and, you know, add some random numbers. And like, I kind of got really interested in, you know, doing processing sketches. So that was like how I got interested in art in general. Um, and so that's when I kind of started going to more, you know, art shows, like more as a patron though. I never really was like, oh, I'm going to be a, uh, I didn't really see myself as like an artist. I was more just like a kind of a patron interested on the sidelines. And then really part of the inspiration for super rare was like, you know, thinking about Ethereum and like the amazing capabilities. And then, you know, thinking about platforms like Instagram and I was like, there's gotta be a better way, like a better business model for, you know, people to create amazing art. But then, have them actually get most of the value out of it versus like in the case of like Instagram, I would argue that Instagram gets most of the value. Like you might get lots of distribution, but um, you know, they're taking the lion's share. So I was kind of interested in art, trying to think about like how could we build better, you know, online communities that support creators. And that's, that all converged in super rare. Well, I was just going to say, well, thank God you, you did end up pursuing it uh, from this angle because obviously, I mean, there's at least uh, a, an initial product market fit here. I mean, depending on the, the day and the valuation of, of Ether, like $300,000 earned by artists, that's freaking awesome. They over 3,500 artworks collected. I mean, being a collector, these numbers are, are amazing to see. And I'm just wondering if there's any even juicier or any more surprising stats about your user base, like the collectors or like anything that you're, you're willing to share about the projects that our, our listeners may be interested in. That'd be awesome. The probably one of the you know most exciting ones for me is just the like, kind of like seeing the collector base grow, which, you know, means it's going to be good for all the artists uh, on the platform as well. And so over the course, uh, 2019, that was up like, a thousand percent, which was just like a mind boggling number. 
Um, I think it was like the first time I really experienced like significant growth and like usage of software that I was working on. So that was just like, uh, oh shit, is this really happening kind of moment? And one, uh, I guess a stat maybe that's like not impressive in the fact that it's a huge stat, but I think um, it was about two months ago when one of the artists on Super Rare, I believe it was X Copy, he earned a commission on an artwork, like for like he earned a royalty that was more than he initially sold the artwork for. And that was super cool. I was like, oh shit, like this is the sort of, you know, it's like, it's a simple tool, but it's also super powerful uh, for the artist and it's working kind of how he had hoped it would. Um, so that was a sort of like a personal stat that I was like, oh shit, we're doing it. This is awesome. That is amazing. And it, yeah, we've talked about that uh, a whole bunch of times about the royalty aspect and how that's such a game changer uh, for the artists and everything. Um, so John, I, I have a question and, and forgive me for bringing it up. We can always cut it out if, if you don't want to dive into it, but, uh, you know, I see you guys as like big pioneers in this space and, you know, big pioneers, you know, have big responsibilities and anytime you make a decision, you know, it's going to ruffle some feathers and some people are going to be happy. So there's, there's some sort of like attribution situation going on right now at Super Rare. And I'm not sure I fully understand it, but I was curious if, if you don't mind to explain the decisions that were made and, and the ideas behind them. Yeah, sure. No, it's, it's very exciting. And it's, it's one of those areas where, you know, it's, it's definitely like a gray area in uh, the art space. I think in one of the podcasts you guys mentioned, like the copyright being like a a razor thin line or something. And so we've been, we've been having lots of debate about it and it was sort of the sort of the, the impetus for it was like, well, if people are just using um, creative, you know, they're sort of like, we're putting our name on like, you know, we're like sort of backing all the artists on the platform. And if there's people who are just using creative commons work, and sort of like representing it as completely their own work that, um, you know, it's an interesting situation to be in for the collectors. Like if they're buying work under this, you know, like not totally understanding uh, what went into the creation of the art piece. And so we've been just trying to, we're trying to figure out, you know, what's the best sort of like happy medium. I think like, as we've seen, obviously, so, you know, there's no way to make everybody happy. But we sort of think for the long-term success of everyone, I think if uh, we could sort of make it a standard to kind of like make an effort to give attribution, um, you know, where it's easy to do, obviously not make it too too taxing. I believe in the Telegram, someone literally compared attribution to having to file your taxes. And so <laughs> we're certainly not trying to build a platform that feels Shout like doing your taxes. Shout out Gary Cartledge. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Gary, that wasn't our intent. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was kind of the, the thought behind it. Um, and as all, you know, it's, I think sometimes we're, I'm, or at least I'm personally surprised, like when we do something and then there's like super strong reaction, it's like, oh, wow, maybe we should have thought about that a little bit more. Um, but it's how it goes. 
someone's got the daunting job of drawing that razor thin line, right? Is that, is that like a, you guys as a team decide, or is there someone who's got like a fine eye for this? Who's like, this is cool. This is not, or, or who, who makes the final call? Uh, yeah. So that is a very good question. And we're going to try to, so we're talking to a couple of people. There's a few, um, I want to get this woman's name, right. Um, but Cynthia, who she was a co-host of the Art on the Blockchain podcast. I don't know if you guys had ever listened to that. Um, it'd been around for a while. And so she's like an amazing IP lawyer who is like super interested in crypto. Um, so, you know, we're going to try to reach out to her and kind of help. You know, we need guidance here. None of us are IP lawyers. And we're just trying to, you know, sort of like protect like everybody involved. So like, you know, make sure it's a good place for collecting. It's a good place for people to put their art up and like, make sure, you know, we don't get killed with lawsuits. Um, especially right now, we're pretty small. The background behind it, I think is, is super understandable. Also, I mean, because there are so many unknowns right now, uh, it's understandable to have a more conservative approach before you speak with either an IP lawyer or maybe someone from like a law firm that is more specialized in art law. But also within the Telegram itself, like shout out to Zach Yanger and then John Perkins for really being on the front line and and responding to just the objections and and the the initial kind of um, it, it wasn't outrage, but it, people were shocked. And there's definitely some artists that are, are impacted by this attribution uh, decision more than others. But I mean, kudos to to y'all for keeping it balanced and and making it clear that it's a work in progress because no one really knows what's going on, but it's, it's all about trying to protect all the, the various interests involved, like from the collectors, from, from you guys building the project uh, and, and eventually the artists. Yeah. I, and I think that's the best way to think about it. And like, maybe it didn't seem like it uh, when we first started talking about it, but like, it really is a work in progress. Like we're completely open to discussing it. You know, we're not trying to like, make decisions in secret and then like announce them. And then like on that work in progress note, I mean, because there have been some iterative changes like to the amount of like a fee that you take and things like that. So just for, for everyone, like all all the artists out there, like what exactly is your current fee structure? Like in terms of the royalties that go back to the artists on the secondary market, could you clarify like all those different numbers for everyone so we know exactly what, what the deal is? Yeah, for sure. Um, so basically on the, the primary sale, it's a, a 15% commission uh, for super rare. And then, a, so that's like shit split with the artist and then a 3% marketplace fee for uh, the buyer. And then on the secondary sale, Artists get a 3% royalty and there's also the uh, 6% or uh, so total it's 6%, but it's 3% for the artist and then 3% that the buyer is paying. And then I think it's really hard to look out and, and build for anything longer uh, than like a six month horizon. So I'm just wondering like what is next for super rare? Like, are you going to be updating the auction smart contracts by chance? Is there anything that you're going to build out specifically perhaps for the collectors? 
if you could detail what's going to happen potentially in the next six months, I think that'd be sweet. And then, I mean, if you're able to just assuming everything goes absolutely perfect for super rare in the future, like what's your, your pie in the sky, like view or hope uh, for what super rare will be. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to hit all those, but you could let me know if I forgot to touch on one of the questions. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, we're super excited about this year. Um, it's, uh, you know, just based on everything that happened last year, I think our conviction is stronger than ever that this is like one of the most exciting things, you know, we could be working on. And so as far as tools for collectors, um, we recently brought back on a designer we've worked with before to kind of help us reimagine um, sort of like what it's like for a collector to like check out their sort of collection on the website. So kind of like um, thinking about that from both a public and a private perspective. So kind of, you know, like right now we have the offers tab, you have like a favorites tab. Um, And so kind of trying to reimagine like what is that sort of, what does that look like for the collector? Um, Cause we kind of just added it in there on the public profiles. And so we're like really trying to reimagine what that looks like. So six months, six months from now, uh, we're going to have a kick-ass redesign for that. So I'm super excited about that. Um, Cause I even find myself sometimes getting frustrated and I'll want to like go build a new feature. And then I got to be like, no, stick to the existing Trello cards that you have. Um, so, yeah. Um, so we're pretty pumped about that. And we've been doing so. So like you, you mentioned the auctions, I think, uh, you know, we've made it a pretty long way with the simple auctioning system that we have. And I think it's sort of run its course. You know, there was also some, some scandal around people placing lots of low bids. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout, out very, shout out to the Druid, really uh, stress testing things. Um, which is always awesome. You know, like sometimes you're like, Oh my God, what's happening. And then you're like, this is great. You know, like where the community is small, like we can still have these cool conversations. So, um, I really appreciate, uh, all the stress testing, but yeah, we're kind of reimagining what auctions can look like. And then also something I talked to you about Matthew in Japan is like, how do we make the bidding wars sort of like a first class citizen, Um, and something that's, uh, cool to check out in the website. So we've been brainstorming and, you know, doing sketches, just trying to figure out, um, you know, how to best do that. So I think over the next six months, those are kind of like the big ticket items, uh, that we're looking to knock off. So very excited about that. And then, yeah, pie in the sky, I guess, you know, one of the things that I'm super excited about. Uh, you know, we've seen kind of like IRL meetups in crypto voxels, which is awesome. I think it's super fun. And one of the things we've talked about that would be really cool is like, if you could have also in-person meetups. So like if you had, you know, crypto arts huge, everyone in the world's doing it. You could have like pop-ups in different places where people are like, you know, putting on VR headsets or they got computers. Um, so they're hanging out in real life, building community, but then also people around the world also congregating in virtual spaces like CryptoVoxels. I think uh, that's a pretty fun 
pretty fun future um, and like a cool way to to interact with art. You know, as much as I love traditional galleries, I think we can do a little bit more than just have white rooms with uh, art on the wall. Cool, man. John, I got a, a couple like long-term uh, scenario questions for you. Uh, Cause I feel like super rare seems to be on like the very high end of like quality assurance. Uh, and that that's like your guys's niche. You, you do a really good job of verifying the, that the artists coming out are legit. You got the one out of one copies coming out. So, you know, like a lot of time and effort has, has been put into generating an exclusive piece of art. Uh, but I, I've got to imagine like, you know, there's, there's got to be times or will be times where you onboard an artist and they totally flop or, or you, you've got an artist already on board whose quality of work deteriorates over time and they're, they're not selling through. Are there any like, and maybe there aren't now or there will be in the future, are there any like ongoing quality assurance metrics that like if I'm an artist on Super Rare, I got to hit this in order to stay afloat? Or is it like once I'm in the club, I'm in the club, you know, and grandfathered in? Or how does it work, you know, over time? Yeah, that's also a good and you know, challenging question. Um, we, you know, it's something we talk about a lot. I think like really our goal is to make it so, uh, you know, we want like one of the long-term visions for super rare is like that it's going to be more customizable for your own taste. And I think like quality is an interesting word. I don't know if you guys read, uh, Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance, that whole section on quality and like, you know, it's, it's a complete spectrum and like one person can see quality where somebody else, you know, sees a void of quality. Um, and it's like, it's super tricky, especially in art, you know, it's like my tastes are super different, you know, from everybody else's. And so we kind of like, our main stance is like, as long as you're creating original work, it's like, it's tricky to say, you know, say like, okay, this is low quality, this is not. And so really we want to design the system to where it's like, if that's not, you know, my cup of tea, then it's not something like I have to see every day versus like now with like the completely shared activity feed, it's like you have to look at everything, you know, Matt, whether you like it or not. And so, yeah, I get, I think our long-term goal is to make it so like you can kind of curate your own experience how you'd like. And, you know, if, uh, if it's not up to your own personal standards, um, you don't have to, you don't have to look at it. Uh, but it's, it's super challenging. I mean, we like, we talk about it a lot. We're like, you know, does it make sense to have a hard cap on the number of like tokens people can create or like, you know, like what are, um, you know, what are things that, uh, make sense to implement? So that's sort of, you know, it's also an ongoing debate with, uh, you know, no ultimate solution yet. Yeah, the, the whole space poses a lot of like very interesting questions that uh, I'm sure aren't like necessarily readily apparent when, when you've uh, initially dove into it. Uh, are there any other like surprises that have come out of this or any like other unintended like successes or, or consequences that, that uh, you didn't see coming? Uh, let's see. Hmm. Or has it gone exactly as you planned? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, what was the surprise? 
maybe, yeah, maybe that is the biggest surprise. <laughs> um, I guess one of the biggest surprises, like, is just how quickly it became, like, a, you know, a somewhat global community. I think, like, you know, something, another thing we're working on is, like, uh, internationalization, so, like, adding some other languages um, you know, from places where you have, like, the, the site's more popular. And I think we were pretty surprised that, like, you know, and it could be, like, you know, thanks to, like, Hakatao, Mattia, like, and, uh, you know, Massimo, like, shout out to all the guys in Italy for spreading the word. Like, this is a surprising amount of traffic from Italy. Like, my wife speaks Italian, but, like, other than that, like, I don't have any connections with, uh, you know, Claire, like, close connections with people in Italy. So I think just, it's been super cool to watch, uh, you know, the whole space grow and see, like, it is a pretty diverse and, like, global community. So I think that's, like probably one of the things that I'm, you know, it's super exciting and uh, definitely not something we were like, okay, we're going to roll it out in the U S and then we're going to go to Italy and then Japan's next. Like that all kind of just happened. Um, So that was super surprising. And I think just like, you know, the variety of, of art that like shows up and like, you know, people really appreciate like, obviously you know like with music it's like i have friends who i hate their taste in music and they obviously hate my taste in music and you were still friends um but like i feel like with visual taste like i didn't know how like it was like it was going to be quite the same or it's like sometimes there's people uh you know who initially like join you're like oh man this is not me like my favorite type of art and then everyone else loves it and you're like well, there you go. Like I, you know, who am I to know like what, you know, art's like super interesting. It's kind of nebulous. Um, I guess one thing that I was very surprised about is like a lot of people don't like art. Like you say the word art and they like have this like extremely strong emotional response. Like I can't tell you guys the number of times I like started describing super rare to people and they were like, oh, that's not art. And you'd be like, what? Like, how do you know what art is? Like, this is, is uh, it was pretty fascinating. Like, people, maybe, you know, some, like, more traditional art folks are like, well, I know what art is. Like, it comes from, you know, people who go to the, you know, RISD, and then they, like, are exhibited in MoMA, and, like, what you're doing is not that, so it doesn't count. Um, or on the other end of the spectrum, it was like people who are just like, art's dumb, it's bananas taped to walls, like it's nothing. You're like, but both people had extremely strong reactions. So I was like, wow, you guys feel like really angry about this. Or you know, it's like, so like, geez, this is a strong response. So I think that was also a pretty big surprise. Yeah. The internationalization or like the, the global first aspects of crypto art, but then crypto in general, it's just, it's always amazing to see how that manifests. And I mean, in, in the art world, like typically it's like, there's the U S there's UK and China, at least from like a buyer perspective. And it's cool to see like the whole world <laughs> having a shot uh, at like owning some, in my opinion, like valuable art. And I guess that idea of digital ownership, I think it's surprising to a lot of folks, like how strong that actually is. 
I know a lot of people in crypto like to talk about how like Bitcoin buyers or Ethereum buyers have like strong hands and like ability to hodl is highly lauded. But Jesus Christ, when it comes to digital art, I don't, I think they probably have way stronger hands in terms of like buying art and holding onto it than I've ever seen anywhere else. Like the hodl meme is probably even stronger, I'd argue, in crypto art than anywhere else, as is the, the FOMO of a new piece coming out from like a popular artist, which is crazy to see. And then just like your innate desire to covet and own uh, a piece of digital art is really strong and always surprising to see in many other people. And, and I feel like putting art in this digital form factor is going to surprise a lot of people. Like you're mentioning like people's reaction to like, what is art? being very polarizing at first, but if people actually make the step to, to look at what this tokenized art is, to buy maybe the first piece of crypto art, they'll readily see how real this shit is. And I think that's probably one of the, the biggest thing I've been personally surprised at. So, I mean, you guys are helping to prove out an entire industry, uh, not just um, like your, your specific niche, which is, it's awesome to see. Yeah, it's, it is pretty fast. I think you're right. Like the HODL meme really does apply. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, just from some of the other kind of collectors that I've talked to, there's always, you know, often people are like, it's, you know, it's, it's a couple things. You're like, I now have a close connection with the artist and uh, that's super valuable to me. You know, like it may or may not be valuable to lots of other people, but like, I feel like I now have this close connection with this artist and like, it's super hard to, to like put a price on something like that. You know, it's like, I have a surfboard that like one of my roommates in college, he is a, it's kind of like an illustrator. He like drew some really cool stuff on it. And it's like, you know, if someone wanted to buy that from me, I'd be like, yeah, good luck. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to say, you know? Um, and I think that's maybe for, you know, at least part of it is like, it kind of can mean different things to different people. And so it's a, it has been super interesting to see the HODL meme play out. And, and kind of like on that point, like what are some of the, the artists that you're buying and scooping pieces from and, and looking to HODL for the long term? Of course, I'm sure there's some big names everyone will recognize. And then like, are there any new artists that you're looking at and saying, well, I'm going to scoop as much as I can of uh, this individual artist? Yeah, there, I thought this might happen. I was like, I don't want to like, you know, play favorites too much. I feel like, people get mad at me, but, um, I think, yeah, there's definitely a few, I think, um, one of, I, I, I don't know if you guys have seen like twisted vacancy. I think his stuff has been super amazing. And that's, uh, I just, I've loved that style for like a really long time. And so that's been uh, pretty incredible. I think, um, you know, Stina Jones, she's also got, um, I love the kind of like crispy, yeah, illustrator um, type work. I think that's really great. You know, obviously the OG classics, I think like I could probably never have enough X copies or Hackatows. Uh, so, but that's probably not a surprise to anybody. Um, I'm sure people are going to get mad at me for, you know, not mentioning them on the podcast. I love all you guys. Uh <laughs> And then uh, another one, let's see, uh, I don't know how to say her last name. It's like Anna Deju. 
she's also an illustrator. She's got some of those like super funky dogs smoking cigarettes and skateboarding. Um, I could send you guys some links. I don't know if you've seen her stuff. She's not super active. She dropped a few, like she dropped a bunch of pieces and then is, you know, on doing other things, but, um, I love her stuff. And then also I'm probably going to butcher the name, but it's like, Osina Chi. So he's in Nigeria and he's doing this kind of like, it's like textured collage, like stop motion. I don't know if you guys have seen his stuff. I scooped uh, a couple pieces from Osinachi. His color work is just, it, it grabs you so immediately. Yeah. I'm a big, yeah. big fan of his. It's like, it's a complete like visceral response and it's like kind of mesmerizing. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, his stuff is just incredible. So I'd say those are, that's the top of the mind right now. But uh, last one, Satio. I love the super trippy 3D stuff. Oh my God. That's like, my wife and I like literally spent an hour the other night just kind of going through and like talking about which one we should buy. So that's the, it's, that's the kind of stuff like I want on an enormous screen, like right above my <laughs> desk. I just think it's so cool. Uh, what I was, I was about to say is, you know, everyone, everyone you talk to who's doing something in this space, who, you know, believes in crypto art from the, from the business end or whatever, everyone is also a collector and passionate about their own pieces. Uh, even people like yourselves and, and, you know, people who are in charge of other platforms and, and businesses in this space, everyone you talk to has their own little stash of artwork that they love too, which I just think it's so awesome and, and, you know, is what's really needed to propel this space forward. Like you really need not just like some businessmen to come in and, and create a platform. You, you need people who are genuinely passionate about like what is actually happening. And uh, it's, it's cool to talk to another one of us, man. Yeah. That was like one of the things early on we would joke. We we're like, well, you know, if this doesn't work, like at least we all have super cool digital art collections now. And like, that's a win. So like, I'll take that. Uh, but yeah, I think it is one of the, you know, it kind of, it makes it different. Um, especially some of the like, you know, more VC type folks who I've talked to are like, well, how's this thing going to scale? And like, you know, they're just like really hammering on metrics. And I'm like, it's hard to quantify like the, I feel like what I feel is like the natural growth of just like, it's a new or like, the coalescing of a community, you know, it's like, it's not the sort of thing where you just dump more money on the fire and it gets bigger. You know, it's like it, there's lots of nurturing and people build personal connections and stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's for sure a movement and you can feel it palpably growing and getting stronger every day. And it's crazy that this particular community is within crypto bar none, like the best group that you could probably ask for. But on top of that, just the the growing belief by people that have been active in the traditional art world, looking at what's happening in crypto art uh, from a creative standpoint, and just labeling this as the new art movement, which is like once in a generation, if it happens in a generation kind of phenomena. So you got to understand that. And if you're not on that boat, well, <laughs> that sucks. But you, you kind of just 
mentioned this in, in passing, how like Sado's work would look dope on a, a big screen or something. Like, do you guys have a setup of like monitors or whatever to display all the art that's on your site? Like, has anyone on your team nailed that kind of real world display problem that everyone seems to bring up when they talk about crypto art? So I'd say nobody's really nailed it yet. Like we, I don't know, you guys might've seen like we framed, we've done some framed iPads that I think look really nice. Um, they're unfortunately like too small or, you know, they're not as big as I'd like them to be. I think they look good. So um, we all have a few of those. I'll like cycle through my own collection on those just cause it's fun to do. Um, and we've bought a couple other displays, like done experiments and it's just, it's pretty tough. Like if you, if you don't spend like a significant amount of money on the display, then like the art doesn't look that good. Cause like the display is not that good. Um, and it's, uh, yeah. So I'd say like we're constantly experimenting and like playing around with it, but nobody's really like really nailed it yet. And like, it's, I don't, I don't know if you guys might've seen like the Samsung art TV. It's super expensive. It's like, I mean, maybe it's worth it to, and I haven't, you know, myself purchased one, but it's like, that seems a little pricey. Um, but at the same time, the other experiments that we've done so far, like didn't really have the, the result we were looking for. So yeah, we're still, we're still doing lots of playing around. You know, we, we have a couple screens in the office that we like to cycle through with different stuff, just like dedicated to art, to keep us inspired, but they're, they're basically just flat screen displays that we bought. And, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, this is my ongoing gripe with this space in general. And, and I feel like in order for, you know, people like my mom to really, really, truly grasp how cool this is, I need to be able to beam it right to her TV or, or, you know, show it to people in some like fairly straightforward, seamless way. Um, and I've tinkered around with things and other than like basically downloading and compiling my own folder, which I then have to figure out a way to cycle through and and send it up to a screen or whatever. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's totally possible, but there's, I haven't come across anything like very slick or streamlined that just ports it right from your web three browser or or something like that. Uh, what what were you going to say, Matthew? I was just going to say like, um, the sent team. Like at our HQ over in Venice, we have a bunch of tablets set up along the wall. I think similar to what you guys did with the the iPads, where we are displaying like work from the artists that are sharing their stuff on scent. And then every Friday we're putting out this scent spotlight. And for those artists, we're just featuring them all over the house uh, with their work in those tablets. And like for our offline, like, parties and events that we're throwing at that house like everyone gets to walk through and kind of engage and, and see with, with, with what's going on with that art but yeah to Rizzle's point everything is just hacked together right now <laughs> like there's no real super approachable like really easy like I'm getting that solution uh, yet in the space um, but it's cool to see everyone trying to hack something together and I, I think it's just like a timing thing uh, sooner or later someone's going to find the secret sauce in terms of a setup and they'll get that out to the folks that are passionate about collecting uh, digital art. So not no worries there. Yeah. It's a matter of when, not if it's definitely happening. So I uh, am, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. 
it was awesome to to be able to speak with you. I know like we want to be respectful of time, uh, but before we head out, is there anything else that you wanted to to plug? I know, I mean, th- there's an awesome telegram with everyone that's on Super Rare. There's an amazing newsletter that you guys pump out that I'm a big fan of. Obviously, there's the art on the site. Is, is there anything else that people need to be aware of that they should be subscribed to? And is there anything else that you want to plug? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, check out the newsletter if people aren't uh, getting that already. And then we're going to be, we're doing like a, I just ordered a Oculus Quest that I'm super excited about. And we're going to be at ETH Denver doing like a, a VR showcase kind of experiment. So if anybody listening is going to be uh, in Denver, I believe it's like February 14th to 16th. Come say hi and uh, you know, play with the Oculus Quest. It's going to be fun. And then also February 20th in New York, we're going to be at NFT NYC. So, uh, you know, if you're there, come say what's up and we'll try to give you a t-shirt. Sweet. Did you have any extra questions, Rizzle? No, man, this is this has been fascinating. And uh, John, really appreciate you, man, taking the time to uh, field all of our questions. And, and uh, it's been great. Yeah, uh, well, thanks for having me on. This is super fun. I think uh, it's just fun to sit around and talk about uh, crypto art. So I love what uh, Conlon's been doing, the meetup, Crypto Voxels. I think there needs to be more hangouts and people just talking about crypto art because uh, it's super fun to do. Totally agreed. And totally looking forward to all the developments that will arise uh, heading forward and all the great things that uh, I'm sure will happen uh, in and around super rare and the crypto art space. So it was a pleasure to speak, John, have a great day and and keep building, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Same to you, Matthew. Love the work you guys are doing at Scent. Keep it up and Rizzle. Uh, Pleasure to meet you, even if it's just via audio. Likewise, man. Looking, looking forward to seeing what else you guys have uh, coming to the table. All right. Well, take care, guys. Take care, John. Bye.